One of the more difficult and awkward parts of being in seminary was our annual peer evaluations. And it's exactly what you think. Basically, the formation staff sends out anonymous surveys about other students to fellow students. And we were to give our opinions about our brother seminarians, about things that were good, but maybe also things that they needed to work on. They would go back to the formation staff, and then I would get the results of those anonymous surveys about me. They were very detailed questionnaires that I would have to say about my brothers, and my brother seminarians would say about me. Things like whether I was a good seminarian, whether I was easy to get along with, things that formation staff might not see as much as our peers would have. We would always joke that the week that the surveys were sent out for us to fill out, we were always very kind to our brother seminarians. And then the week where we received the, the feedback, we were always very angry at our brother seminarians. But the idea of those peer evaluations wasn't to stir up any drama, like we were on a reality show. It was so that we could get an unfiltered look at ourselves. The point of even the time in seminary is so that we can know ourselves, nothing more and nothing less. And sure, some of the opinions of my brothers were hard to swallow at times, but it was advice that I needed to hear. It was constructive criticism that I needed to hear, even if it was difficult. And as the years went on, I grew to appreciate peer evaluation season every year. Because my brother seminarians wanted me to be the best priest that I could be, and that would not happen unless I was confronted with my weaknesses, with the things that might prevent me from achieving that goal. If I wanted to be a holy priest, there were certain habits that I needed to root out of my life. And the first step was being told about them. And all throughout the Old Testament, that's sort of the case with the people of Israel. Time and time again, they, uh, they, they strayed away from God's holy law and from his holy covenant. And God would send prophet after prophet to come and try to tell them what they were doing that was wrong and how to get back onto the right path. He sent them peer evaluation season time and time again. But the problem is the people of Israel very frequently did not listen to the prophets. They were a stubborn rigid and stiff-necked people who were often obstinate in what they were doing. They didn't listen to the things that could have helped them and could have made things much easier for them. So it's in that context that we get our first reading today from the book of the prophet Ezekiel where God instructs Ezekiel to be a watchman over his people, to be that stalwart for the truth and a stalwart for the law, to instruct his people in right living. You know, God tells Ezekiel that he must warn those who are wicked about their evil deeds, that they need to turn away from sin and turn back to God. But he also tells Ezekiel that if he for some reason doesn't warn them, then he shares in the responsibility of their wrongdoing. That is the epitome of what it means to be a watchman, to be a shepherd over your people. And Jesus instructs his disciples in the gospel that they should have that same mindset, that same concern and care for one another to look out for those that you care about, to care about the moral conduct of those closest to us. We are, after all, our brothers and our sisters' keepers. We should care about 
the morals and the conduct of those whom we love. Ezekiel certainly loved his people and loved his brothers and sisters and wanted what was best for them. And our Lord instructs the disciples to have that same mindset. Christ tells us that we must be willing to instruct the ignorant and to admonish the sinner. Those are, after all, spiritual works of mercy. Those of you of a certain age probably memorized them when you first got into grade school. But we must be willing to instruct the ignorant and admonish the sinner. Especially, I would argue, within the confines of friendship. Because if there is friendship, friendship is it's a mutual sharing and a mutual striving for what is good for one another. That's what real friendship is. Pursuing the spiritual good for each other. And if there is true friendship, we should not be afraid to help those that we care about to grow in holiness and virtue and to give them the means and the assistance necessary in order to do it. If we are a true friend, we care enough about that person to want to help them. Now, this doesn't mean that we just beat people upside the heads with doctrine, caring more about winning an argument as opposed to winning the soul. That doesn't accomplish anything. But it also doesn't mean that we just let people do their own thing as if it's somehow not our place to tell others what they should or shouldn't be doing. Because if that's the case, then Ezekiel would have never said a word to his people. And they would have never been converted in hearts and minds. Ezekiel was successful because he kind of had to call them out. He kind of had to say some difficult things, but he loved his people enough that he would not just let them stay the way that they were. It is not charitable or merciful to lie to people and tell them, oh, you're doing great, don't change a thing, when really there's a lot in their lives that needs changing. That's not mercy. That's not charity. But you know who else does this in our own day and age, brothers and sisters? It's the church. She acts as a watchman for us in our world. The church is like a watchman for humanity. Christ gives us shepherds not to rule over us, but to help us and to aid us in our goal of becoming saints. And we refer to the church as Holy Mother Church, right? That's how we refer to the church here on earth. And our mothers sometimes have to tell us things that we don't want to hear, but mom knows what's best as we like to say. Lord knows my mom had to call me out enough when I was a child. I was the high-maintenance baby. You probably have someone like that in your own family, too. But sometimes my mom had to tell me things that I didn't want to hear. But I knew deep down that she was right. And my mom loved me too much for me to wallow in mediocrity or to stay where I was, doing things that weren't good for me. And our church loves us the same way. She loves us too much for us to not be excellent, for us to not be saints. So that's why the church speaks out in our day and age about all host of issues that she gets a lot of flack for, sure. And there might be times where we might say, come on, why do I have to listen to the church? Well, I would say this. There's a beautiful passage from Ezekiel earlier on in this scripture where Ezekiel says, you say the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is it my way that is unfair, or rather are your ways unfair? Because more often than not, we are the ones who need to move toward God 
rather than the other way around. We have to sometimes very humbly look in the mirror and realize that there are areas in our lives where we need to grow, where we need to change. We have to be open to God's promptings, to conversion, and hearing God's voice with hearts that are not hardened, and even let his word convict us once in a while. So if I hadn't listened to the advice of my brother seminarians when I was in seminary and changed things that needed to be changed, I probably wouldn't be here today. Let's pray for the grace of conversion where we need conversion and the humility to recognize our weaknesses and our faults and for the resolve to listen to God's voice when he instructs us and not harden our hearts.